And we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Winchild, live from New York. How are you doing, Seth? I'm good. All right. I hope you're good because we have a big show this week. Obviously, uh, the Tesla earnings created a lot of new information that uh, we're going to communicate with you today. But also a bunch of other news. Seth got the F-150 Lightning, as we discussed last week, and he took it on a little... Uh, towing test that's uh, going to be interesting to discuss later on in the show. There was a GMC uh, Sierra EV that also was launched. We're going to take a look at that. We have the um, also the Rolls Royce, this first electric vehicles from Rolls Royce. Uh, uh, we're going to discuss that a little bit, but let's start with the earnings result uh, with financial result themselves. Uh, it was a bit of a miss on revenue. The street was expecting $22 billion in revenue. Tesla came in at around 21.5, so half a billion dollar miss. It's a significant one. Uh, I think the uh, th there was already the delivery miss on the expectation. Tesla came in about 20,000 units under the expectation. So I think the Wall Street had little issues adjusting the revenue with the delivery miss, even though they had like, what, three weeks to do it? Yeah. Um, they're not perfect on that front. So, but on the profit side, on earnings per share, Tesla beat uh, the expectation by uh, five cents um, per share. They came in at a dollar or five versus a straight dollar, a flush dollar, uh, which is uh, significant. That's a five percent beat right there. It's not. It's it's, it's no joke in terms of earnings. Like a dollar per share doesn't sound that much anymore, but like you have to keep in mind that uh, with the split that, that happened last quarter, like the dollar per share, it, it it's like three dollar per share uh, before that, before the split. So it's significant. Uh, record operate well, record everything basically because even though it was a miss on revenue, it was it's still a record revenue for, for Tesla, uh, due to the record in deliveries. So, operating free crash flows, uh, like be before we knew about the delivery miss, I was saying that Tesla was gonna like probably come in with a four billion dollar free cash flow this year. It's actually 3.3 .3 billion because of, of, of the miss, but uh, still, like Tesla is generating cash like crazy right now, there's just no doubt about it. Uh, an important metric to keep track of is the gross margins. Came in at 27.9, the same as last quarter. It's a little bit down from earlier this year where Tesla was hitting the 30% gross margin, but it's still an industry leading, auto industry leading uh, gross margin. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, so uh, let's jump into all the pieces of news that were released uh, throughout the. And I, I've been staying on the financials. I think we're going to start with. Uh, you, Elon, when he said about uh, the valuation of the company, because I think I think it was it was clear because it was the one the first thing that he said in the conference call. And of course, if you've been a Tesla investors in the last few months, it's been hard. Like the, the stock has gotten a beating, but that's the rest of the market also was getting a beating. Like this looks like we're entering a recession right now, and uh, the market has felt it. So it's not just Tesla, but like a lot of things, Tesla being volatile, it's often uh, you see the impact even greater on Tesla. And that led him to, in my opinion, clearly some damage control at the early in, in, in the call, especially with the revenue miss that uh, hit the aftermarket. Tesla was like down 5% after the, the release. So it looks, it, Elon looked like in complete like damage control in terms of Tesla's valuation, which led to first, well, that, to be fair, that wasn't re reactive because the, the, the board had to talk about that beforehand. So I'm, I'm sure it's been in the work for a little bit. But the stock buyback, 
he announced that Tesla is actually going to launch a five to ten billion dollar share buyback program. If you're not familiar with that, that's a company is simply buying back their shares from the public market, which reduce the outstanding shares available for for the public to buy. Uh, it also increases demand from for the stock just by again five to ten billion. It hasn't been the plan is not concrete yet, but. Elon communicated that the board has talked about it as it, everyone seems on board with it. So they're going to move forward uh, after a formal proposal. So yeah, that's normally that's normally um, some kind of indication that the company believes that their stocks is undervalued. So Tesla is trading about two hundred dollars a share right now. After uh, going doing the split, it, it, after the split, they were going to like two ninety two ninety seven something something like that. Uh, so Tesla has basically lost $100, like 25%, 30% of the value over the last, uh, since the stock split, it's not, it's not good. Uh, so that shows a little bit of confidence. And then where the hype came in is Elon came in with his own prediction in terms of Tesla's market capitalization, saying that he sees, uh, he, he reminiscent on, on his previous prediction that Tesla is going to surpass Apple in value, uh, but here's the little caveat, though. So when he said that a few years ago, this, uh, Apple was worth about $700 billion. So And now he, he kind of like says, like, mission accomplished. And now that Tesla, it's, well, at least when he was talking about it, it was, Tesla was worth about $700 billion. Now I think it's like six fifty or something. But he was saying, like, mission accomplished, even though Apple is not worth anything near $700 billion right now. But apparently he was talking about, oh, we can achieve the current valuation of Apple. Um, and now, so now that apparently it's mission accomplished, he set a new, a new expectation that he thinks that Tesla can be more valuable than Apple's current valuation, which is about 2.3 trillion with a T on top of it. He said it can be valued more than Apple and Saudi Aramco combined. So Saudi Aramco is one biggest oil producer in the world. And it's also world about the same as Apple, over over $2 trillion with a T. So he's saying that Tesla could be worth over $4 trillion. And he added that that's without Optimus. Like, well, Optimus is like a bonus to that. So if the Optimus program is successful, let's add up another $2 trillion to the thing. So, I don't know. so that sounds a little bit like a stock pump to me. A little bit? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it's absolutely true. Like, it could be. Uh, a lot of things would have to happen. Like no other EVs, you know, companies would have to be good. Uh, I, I think they would have to really, like, really score with FSD. Yeah, they would. They would have to solve full self driving for that to happen. Right, and nobody else would also have to solve. Like they would have to be the only ones to have full self driving. I think that would maybe put them in that kind of classification. But you know, as we know, other companies are doing pretty good well uh, i think to, to not to interrupt you but mm -hmm. I, I, just to clarify i, I like you, we know like way more already operates like in phoenix and san francisco now like we learned this week they're expanding to los angeles and everything i, I like these services i think are, are gonna work like it looks clearly like that, that these are gonna be successful transportation service so i think these can exist like but for tesla to be like crazy successful like that i think they need to be the only one that have the full self-driving that like you can buy the car right 
because you cannot buy a Waymo. You're never going to be able to buy a Waymo. But you can buy a Tesla, and then if it does become full self-driving and it's your own car, and then you put the Tesla network into that, I think if Tesla is the only one to have that at scale, then yeah, I mean, the, you you can say the one self-driving, and it's not that there's not any other companies that figure out self-driving, but there are these fleet that need a lot of management, like like Waymo and, and Cruise, for example. You don't think Waymo's going to try to get their technology into consumer vehicles? Uh, maybe they kind of get it, but I, I like Waymo is like way more careful of a company than Tesla to right. say the least. And if they do, they might do some kind of approach, like similar to what Tesla did at the beginning, like, oh, it's about safety. So we're going to deploy some technology that is going to make the cars a lot safer. Maybe they're going to license that to some automakers that they're going to decide to go with it. But from what I can see right now from Waymo, I think they're just going to keep doing what they're doing right now, which is expanding to a new market like scan the hell out of a market of a, of, a, of a specific region. Like right now they are doing it with downtown LA mm -hmm. and uh, Hollywood, West Hollywood and a few other area in the greater LA and then deployed vehicle on there to offer a service, like a Uber service in a city. Uh, and I think they're going to keep expanding with that. And maybe one day they're going to reach a level that's like, Oh, you, you can get a Waymo from LA to Austin, Texas or whatever. Uh, but um for now, just uh, I think that's like way further future. Like Tesla's approach is obviously like you, you can criticize it of whether it's going to happen or not, but it's uh, it, it's obviously a lot more ambitious than that. Yep, definitely more ambitious. But if you just take that's the thing though, if you just take the the vehicle business, the selling car business, if you believe um, Tesla's ramp up to twenty million units, and if Tesla has any credibility at all, it's on the product, the ramp up of electric vehicle production. Like they, they, that's where they have the most credibility. And not only like as a company itself, like the, compared to the other other vehicle programs and other FSD programs and all that, that they have less credibility on now, especially on the timeline front. They have more credibility than any other companies in doing that. Like they, they are incredible at ramping up production. Even companies like Ford, who's as 100 years of experience in ramping up production of vehicles, they're having issues in electric vehicle ramp up. So this has a lot of credit on that. If they get to 20 million units, I mean, with a million units right now, they, they are generating, what is it? Nine, three, it's over like 10 billion of free cash flows uh, per year. With a million unit, imagine 20 million unit, I... Uh, uh, that's that, that's that's an insane cash flow that they're producing, and then there's like the supercharger uh, aspect. That I, I think supercharger is going to be a huge business, especially when they open to other EVs and all that. Uh, in like five six year, that's going to be like a multi billion dollar business too, uh, a year. So uh, th th there's a lot of growth opportunity. I'm I'm, I'm still Energy. very much yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Energy front is like we barely tapped into the energy front too right now. It's just the energy front. I, 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 I think a little bit more issues with um, the way Elon's talking about. Oh, it could be just as big as their vehicle business, um, but we, we don't. Uh, we see the energy scale. Tesla is an incredible. Uh, we can discuss that too. Uh, Tesla is an incredible. Uh, quarter for uh, energy storage deployment i think they deployed 2.1 they said yeah 2.1 gigawatt hour it's uh, not only a record it's like a massive record <laughs> it's like uh, half a gigawatt hour more than uh, the previous record so 
the on that front, on the solar, on the actual like energy generation front, we don't see that much growth, and uh, it's hard to see it like an exponential growth, like the like the Tesla vehicles, because you, you're gonna have to have staff to to install those. Like it's the the solar deployment; it's all about the installation rate, and uh, Tesla we need to hire like tens of thousands more people to have in kind of scale that would match their vehicle business in my opinion yeah and whenever there's like a bottleneck in supplies the uh, energy business always gets constrained they always lose out to the the automotive business um mm -hmm. you know there's not enough batteries power walls don't get any batteries for a while that kind of thing yeah and now that's the, that's what we're seeing right now with the 2.1 gigawatt hour we see a ramp up in Tesla wasn't kidding when they said like, oh, batteries is not a problem this year because they're having enough for both the vehicle programs and the stationary energy storage. And we're hearing that um, the mega factory in California that produces the mega pack is, is doing like very good. Like they are ramping up extremely fast right now. They're not quite at the 40 gigawatt hour per year that they are talking, but they might get there very fast. And I would... I would predict that Q4 is going to be even bigger than, than the, the giant record that they had in Q3 um, because uh, obviously like the ramp up of Mega Factory is extremely recent and it takes a while for that to show up in the deployment because Tesla produces them, but then they have to deliver them. The project needs to be commissioned and everything. So it's a solo ordeal. So maybe uh, I think we're going to see a ramp up in Q4, but 2023 might, might be the year of a station, stationary storage for Tesla. Just not solar yet. I would like to see solar pick up a little bit. All right. Probably the biggest news that came out of the whole, uh, even though it was just like one or two sentences that Elon said, is the next generation electric car platform for Tesla. So this this one has kind of been in the, the bit questionable, like what, what's going to happen with that? Because the plan sounded like it was always, okay, we... We have the Roadster, very expensive, Model S, a little bit cheaper, Model 3 and Y, a little bit cheaper, and then an even cheaper car. And then, of course, over the last few years, Elon has been talking about a $25,000 Tesla vehicle that would have a giant impact on the EV adoption because it would increase the um, um, access to the market, to the EV market, by just having a much cheaper, like basically like a... We have 25,000 vehicles right now. We have been talking a lot about the Bolt EV, of course, but the Bolt yep. EV is extremely limited in terms of the output, though we are hearing good thing about 2023 with uh, going from like 40,000 units to 70, 77, I think, thousand units uh, that they are making for next year. So there's going to be bigger availability. But of course, if Tesla launch a $25,000 car, it's going to be a car that they want to sell millions of units per year. It's as simple as that. So. Yep. It's completely game changer. Like, oh, we already have $25,000 car and it's not selling in the millions. Yeah, you're not producing in the millions either. Uh, so that's a big difference. But yeah. then, um, wait. Just uh, real quick, uh, you know, <clears throat> I just got a bolt for my mom and we're actually looking at other bolts. There's a four to six month wait for all the bolts in my area right now. Four to six months. Like that's the middle of 2023. For yeah, not beginning, uh, but you know, like into into spring to get a bolt right now, and it seems kind of you know like we're not reporting it because we don't have any like solid evidence of this, but it seems like every bolt that's possibly can possibly be bought is being bought right now. 
at that $25,000 price. And a lot of them much higher than an MSRP too. Right. Yeah. And so coming I, back to the... Uh, yeah. Oh, the one last thing is that uh, at, I think in December or January 1st, they're going to get some tax credit, but probably not the full tax credit depending on GM's battery situation. Yeah, well, we get a lot of questions about that. Like, what what car are gonna get? What rebate? Everything is it's it's super muddy situation right now. Uh, a lot of automakers are still waiting for the final guidelines that will answer that question, and I think they are expected uh, soon. But Tesla did say during their earnings that they do expect to get the, the full credit on. A, they didn't they didn't specify which variants, obviously, but on some variants, I would assume. I don't think they, they assume that all cars are gonna be able to get it. Uh, but yeah. Um, this is uh, this is the question that everyone wants answered to, and I, I think a lot of automakers don't even have that those answers. But coming back to the twenty five thousand dollar Tesla, uh, it looked like it was happening. I mean, there was a lot of momentum last year, earlier this year, about it, where Tesla was like even doing like a design contest in China because the goal was to produce the car in China, and uh, they had the open like an engineering center there, design studio there, and they were like going to made that $25,000 car happen. But then 2022 happened and Elon said, you know what? The R&D focus right now is all on Optimus and on uh, ramping up Model Y uh, production uh, with the, the new, not the new, the whole new platform, but you know, the Model Y this has introduced a lot of uh, new casting, bigger casting technology and all that and they're making a big difference. So there's a lot of R&D that went into that. So he said Tesla uh, engineering of this year, he said Tesla is not working on a $25,000 car anymore. Then Elon also had made some comments that make it sound like it won't even be in the works. Like Tesla is not going to be aiming to make a cheaper vehicle because of full self-driving, reducing the cost per mile so much that he believes that going towards self-driving is going to be a best option for people that are looking for cheap transportation option because they're just going to use a Tesla network or which is the Uber-like service that Tesla wants to deliver with self-driving vehicles. That's going to be cheaper than owning a car. Um, but now it looks like it's back in the plans. Uh, we, and we, we saw some inklings of that with Elon saying that he's embarrassed by Tesla's pricing right now, which obviously a lot of it is inflation and all that, but he wants a cheaper Tesla vehicle. And during the earnings, uh, earnings car, he was asked about like what's what's happening right now with a cheaper Tesla. And he said, it's the primary focus of our new vehicle development team. Obviously, at this point, we are done with the engineering for Cybertruck and uh, Semi. So it's obviously what we're working on, the next generation vehicle, which will be probably about half the cost of the Model 3 and a Y platform. It will be smaller, to be clear. So a smaller platform uh, that, that enables smaller cars, but that are much cheaper. Uh, so he's kind of walking away from the $25,000 price target, it sounds like. But he's saying about half the cost of Model 3 and Model Y. So technically, the Model 3 starts at $47,000. So uh, $25,000, even less than $25,000 could still be in the plans. But uh, I would I would put something between twenty five dollars and thirty five dollars just to be sure. Um, that would That would be a safer bet. Um, he's, he had it to obviously we are going to take everything we learned from S, X, 3, Y, Cybertruck and Semi into that platform but we are on a 2 for one target we're trying to get 50% of a cost uh, number again so a 50% improvement in cost 
And that's throughout uh, Zach, Zachary Corcorant as a CFO kind of expanded a little bit of that. That's like, that's the cost of like capital expenditure to and everything. They want to like have the space, have the factory space to then model three and Y. So they want, they, Tesla is really like betting heavy on the manufacturing aspect of it. They want a design of a vehicle platform that's just super easy to manufacture in order to keep the cost down and enable a cheaper electric car. So I was really happy to hear that, that it's back in the plans and everything. It's just, he was asked about product announcement and everything. He says, nah, this is not the place for a product announcement. We understand that. Uh, I'd be curious to see if there's any link between that supposed like robo-taxi platform coming up and new cheaper platform. Like Because robo-taxi wasn't mentioned at all in the earnings. And we know that... Uh, at the shareholder meeting, annual shareholder meeting earlier this year, Elon kind of announced it that this is going to do a robo taxi, like a dedicated robo taxi vehicle. Well, so it, makes, these... it makes sense. You really don't want like a zero to 60 in three seconds robo taxi, right? Yeah. So, you, you, but you don't, do you want it smaller though? You don't, like, you don't want it well, smaller than Model 3, Model Y. Yeah. I mean, I guess the platform, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess... if, it's a, if it's optimized, if it's a smaller, but it's optimized for, a taxi service, like if there's literally no driver's seat or whatever, right. like you can probably optimize it to make it a like fit four or five person in there. But I don't know. Yeah, it's like that cruise thing that was built on the Bolt platform. Uh, it's like a big, you know, there's no, it's like a train car almost. Because mm -hmm. the Model Y is great for uh, like a taxi service too. You remember? Have you ever tried in New York the Revel Model Y? No, I've seen those everywhere, but. Um... Every time I'm in New York, I see at least one of them. Um, I tried them last time I was there a few oh, months yeah? ago, and uh, I was expecting like the, the, the you know they because they, they announced that they modified the Model Y to make it more like they removed the front passenger seat and everything, so like you have like you can basically lounge in in the if you're like alone in the back and everything. But uh, apparently they gave up on that, so it's just mm. plain old regular Model Y, <laughs> which is fine because when you used it, we were like four of us, so we needed that front seat. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so yeah, cheaper vehicle platform coming from Tesla at half the price of the Model 3 Model Y platform. That's the goal. Very important too, we got an update on the progress on the 4680 battery cells. Uh, Tesla is always vague about that. So what they said this time is that the total number of 4680 cells produced, uh, which put on paradises, cells sent to formation. So this is the last step uh i think they, they like these sit around for a while increase three times sequentially in q3 so three times more cells were produced in q3 than in q2 which would be super impressive if we knew how many cells that's still produced in q2 but as far as we know we need produce one cell in q2 and three in q3 obviously i'm exaggerating but like that's you have to put this in perspective. Uh, Kirkhorn did elaborate a little bit that gave us a little bit more information. Is that that Tesla is currently tracking to produce enough 4680 cells per week to produce a thousand car this quarter? So that's a little clearer, like at 60 kilowatt hour per car, that's 60 megawatt hour of 4680 cells per week, or an annual production rate of three gigawatt hour, which is starting to be significant here. Uh, it's not nowhere near the 100 gigawatt hour that uh, Tesla was aiming for. But, um, well, I don't. I think they were aiming for for next year, by the end of next year. So this, it's not like they're behind the goal, but they're still, I mean, they're still far from that goal, is my point. Uh, but then they, uh, they kind of surprised us a little bit because 
the, it doesn't look like Tesla is going to be super reliant on the 4680 cells. Like it sounds like all that, at least for sure, these thousands per week are all for the Model Y production in Gigafactory, Texas. Because, sorry, a lot of our assumption was that Tesla Semi used the 4680 cell. During the call, Elon confirmed that that's not the case, that Tesla is not using the 4680 for the cells. Didn't elaborate which cells they're using. I assume it's the 2170, but they said it's not the 4680. Then they were specifically asked to, is the 4680 cell production rims going to be a problem for the Cybertruck production next year? And Elon says, no, he didn't say, don't expect it to be a problem. Uh, he didn't say that it's the Cybertruck is not using the 4680 cell, just that it's not going to be a problem. So. Uh, that wasn't clear. I assume I would assume they would be using the cells, but not clear. Uh, Tesla Semi, not, not a lot of new information on the Tesla Semi, other than yeah, it's in production in early production right now, and first deliveries are coming in December. I'll announce that. But he did put a target on uh, total production of fifty thousand Tesla Semi uh, in twenty twenty four. So production just started right now. Elon says it takes about a year to ramp up. So there were going to be a big ramp up into 2023. And then in 2024, Tesla could have the capacity to produce 50,000 Tesla semis per year. Uh, so that's uh, that would be crazy, kind of massive. We would make Tesla one of the largest Class A truck manufacturers, period. And that's, <clears throat> that's going to be in uh, Nevada, right? No, no, no. I think, I think they're going to move the production to... Uh, Texas at that point. I don't, I don't think they're going to ever have the capacity to produce 50,000 trucks in Nevada. I don't think that's the goal. Okay. Yeah. From what we heard last year when we first reported that Tesla was going to produce them there, they would they install the capacity for five trucks per week. So, But I think they're going to learn a lot from that production and then move to a much uh, higher volume production in Texas. I, I know that I like that's something I like to track uh, with every uh, earnings result release uh, is the infrastructure uh, that Tesla is building around its business and how it compares to deliveries. And uh, it was a very good quarter for the infrastructure. Uh, the stores and service centers uh, increased 41 location in a single quarter. So that's much bigger throughout the last uh, year or two. Tesla has been growing at about 18 to 25 new locations per quarter. So 41 is a big increase. However, it's a 16% increase year over year compared to 42% growth in deliveries. So it's still tracking much behind um, deliveries. But you cannot, like it's it's not equal anyway because each location is different. Some locations can have much higher capacity than others. And we know that Tesla, we reported, a lot on that on the last few months that this is putting a lot of efforts into service and that they're putting a lot of uh, energy into building bigger location with a higher capacity so it, each location is not equal to the other uh so that we we're just tracking the total number here so like, um, it's not perfect metric mobile service fleet also take care of a lot of uh service capacity for tesla and that drew a lot to last quarter with 79 new cars in the fleet for a total of 1532 uh, yeah, and total stores and service location, by the way, it's 728. So there's a lot of, lot of location out there now. I don't know. Should I check how many Apple stores there out there? Do we, do we know that? More than that. <laughs> yeah, I would assume. but yeah, I don't know exactly. Yeah. So on the supercharger front also, which is a very important infrastructure for Tesla, a lot of growth. Tesla deployed 2,718 new stations for Q3. 
Uh, so compared to 2,500 last quarter, so it's a new record by itself. Uh, Tesla now operates 38,883 supercharger at 4,283 location. Uh, it grew 33% year over year. So that's that's very impressive. Again, lagging a bit behind 42% for the global deliveries. And now you have to take in mind that you cannot only compare it to the growth in deliveries for Tesla because Tesla is starting to add non-Tesla EVs to the network. So that's a lot more uh, potential traffic at the supercharger station. So the, the, the deployment rate needs to increase a lot. But uh, we, we see Tesla putting a lot of effort in that. Uh, in the shareholders that Tesla mentioned, paid supercharging grew more than three times compared to the prior year. And we're working to accelerate for, uh, to further accelerate our deployments. We continue to expand supercharger pricing from fixed to variable to better manage vehicle flow through our network. Yeah, the, the, the variable pricing is certainly a big asset for Tesla to try to um, manage the traffic at those stations. But yeah, three times... Three times more revenue from uh, paid supercharging than, la than last year. That's a, that's a big increase, and I think that's going to be that's going Tesla's going to keep that growth going because, especially with non, uh, especially now that all new EVs that Tesla deploys uh, don't don't have free supercharging. They don't even have the thousand dollar free supercharging. So maybe that's going to change soon. We're going to have another story to discuss uh, later on about that. But also, obviously, the non-Tesla EVs are are all paid customers and probably pay a little bit more to uh, in the future all right that was announced last night the new tesla quicksilver and cherry red were unveiled so those are the new uh tesla model white colors that are enabled by the uh supposedly like cutting edge paint shop that tesla has at uh, gigafactory berlin that elon described as like the best paint shop in the world that's enabling these multi-coat colors uh that give a lot of depth so for the first time we get to see the to see them and uh, let me tell you i'm i'm extremely impressed there's no way to cut the music on that yes man the instagram uh the instagram integration is not the best but you see them here the video is so much better though like you can you can see it I, i'm pretty sure that video and the picture don't give it justice to because those multi-coat uh paint jobs there's a lot of depth to it so that they, when you see like the sun going to it like you can see all the different variation of the color in it it's beautiful so uh big success for tesla i think on that the quicksilver like also like the picture there is not nowhere near as good as i've seen in the videos so what, why, why do you think it, they only did it in berlin as opposed to like fremont where you could be painting you know more expensive model s's and x's yeah, multi coats is definitely very difficult. I'm not a paint expert. Like, and there's a lot of people that there's there's a lot more complexity than than people think. It's not like even painting a wall is like there's there's like an amateur painting a wall and a professional is like two different things. And then you take that on a, a vehicle's body instead. It's so much more complex and also needs to withstand a much harsher environment than uh, walls know. in your house. So. Hopefully, unless you're pretty hardcore. So this uh, there's a lot to it. And apparently the new paint shop in Berlin allows for like a very complex multi-coating system to apply the paint that enables these new colors that have a lot of depth to them. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it would make a lot of them because they are not cheap. Um, so Jamie wrote that post. I think he shared the pricing on them. 
Okay, so they are they are replacing the previous gray and red that was available. So the white is still the base one, and um, now the the previous gray was sixteen hundred euros. Now it's three thousand, and the previous red was two thousand euros. Now it's three thousand two hundred euros. So those are not cheap color options. They are expensive. Uh, so it would make more sense to offer them in uh, on like the Model S and X. I think they would be popular. But for now, it's going to be for just for the Model Y and Gigafactory Berlin. Elon did say something about like, yeah, uh, we're going to have more color in the US coming, but he, he didn't say that it was these ones, these multi coat ones. Uh, you might, we might need an upgrade uh, at Fremont for sure. Uh, what, what, colors this... you, what colors do you think would be the next ones to be added? I mean, these twos are, I think they knock it out of the park, to be honest. I'm a big fan. Like bring that to the US, bring that to the Mall X and the S. And I think I think the, a lot of people are gonna go for it, even so if they are. They'll just bring like, these same colors. I I thought he meant like you know brown or green or something. I mean, there's they look so good, Seth. I'm not I'm not joking. Like they, they, you could you could make like a lot of different variation of that in brown and green and all that. Uh, I know that Tesla is not a big fan of options. Like obviously, like they, they, mm -hmm. they, these are not new option added. They, they replace previous option. There's still now only five color options for your Model Y in Berlin. So, is uh, it true that Elon hates yellow? <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. I remember that was an old meme about. thing. Yeah, that was. Uh, he, he completely denied that. By the way. I mean, yeah. who likes a yellow car though? Like the it's yeah. a very narrow, you know, yeah. where yellow works. Yeah, I know the Mustang kind of popularized it a little bit. Like when Mustang started offering a yellow color, like a lot of people like went for it, but not was not that the Celine one? Yeah, I'm sure Celine offered. I'm sure Celine offered. Uh, oh, can I say that? Celine offered a yellow color. All right, I'm, I'm, gonna, get, I'm, I'm gonna get sued. Set, come on. Um. But yeah, I, I think there's definitely room for more custom, customization, especially with the volume Tesla is selling. Like, no, Tesla's gonna sell like 600, 700,000 Model Y this year. Like, you see a lot of them. I'm in the like not the middle yeah. of nowhere, but like I'm deep in Quebec. Like, I'm not near a big city or anything like that. And I see a Model Y every day. Like, they are becoming like extremely common vehicles to have, and they're all the same colors. So, like, or they should do a wrap. Maybe, maybe they do a wrap. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, there's a lot of thousands. people do them, but they are expensive. If they could offer like a factory wrap, that would that would be less expensive. That would be nice. A lot more color yeah. options. But I these think... these multi coat though, like they're they're different. Like, you know, like you can get some nice wrap, but like this is this is awesome. I think like I'm 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 a big fan. If you can if you can tell, so yeah. I want to see a lot more of those. Uh... Maybe maybe Tesla's gonna get so good with manufacturing at one point that he just they, they're gonna want to throw them some challenge at themselves and they're like, all right, let's let's offer like a, a whole gamut of like ten like super nice colors and or you know what? What if Tesla just said, Look, here's the the wheel, you pick a spot on here and we'll computer match <laughs> that color to your car. So they'll have like twenty sixty four thousand colors. In yeah. fact, I I think Tesla's gonna do that. That sounds like something yeah, they already have that in the in the car. Like you can already choose any color you want in the car. Right, exactly. So, if, so if I, I think they're gonna have like a thing on the web where you have like a wheel and you pick somewhere on the wheel, and they're like, okay, we'll color match that. But that's just for like one color. There's more to that 
in those cars, like Quicksilver and Midnight, like those right. multi-code, it's There's more like than just our color. It's like it's shiny like stuff yeah. and clear coat and all the other stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of depthness to it. Like it's a bunch of different reds like put on top of each other, like create this depthness. It's, it's pretty crazy. And the and the, the Quicksilver. I think I, I might like the Quicksilver more than the red. I mean, my uh, Mobile S signature, like 2012 vehicle, like the signature red still looks awesome on it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like people always look at it and say, ah, I've never seen a Tesla like that color. It's like real nice. All right. Uh, another new, well, new Tesla news this week. We're already 36 minutes to the show, and we barely, we're not even out of the Tesla news this week. Uh, but this one is another interesting one, to be honest. Like Tesla launched a new uh, J1772 ohm charging station for EVs other than Tesla. Uh, so they did that last year, if you remember, for like a brief period of time. But it it looked it looked either like a test or like um, a surplus of, of of connectors or what I don't know what happened. But it was like the old Tesla charging station that they had, and they just put a J seventeen seventy two connector to it. This is the new station with a new connector itself. The connect look at the the connector is nice. That might be the nicest J seventeen seventy two connector I've seen. That's definitely cool. Yeah, so far. And five hundred and fifty dollars. So, if you're familiar with uh, charging station prices, uh, this is cheap for a station that uh, will will give you uh, is it eleven nine kilowatts or eleven kilowatts? Uh, forty amps is nine point six kilowatts. So, yeah. I think this goes to forty eight. So that'll be around eleven point six kilowatts. Yeah, yeah, eleven kilowatts, and. Um, that Wi-Fi connectivity, uh, you, you get, uh, you, you can split the power, charge. Uh, you, there's, there's, there's a lot of features that come. Like it's basically the most advanced, the con Wi-Fi connected station that Tesla has. All of those features uh, available. So, so this is this is very cool for 550 bucks. Like Tesla is is, is going to put a lot of competition in the in the market. I think for that. So do you think that this is a early sign that Tesla's going to go to CCS combo on their on their cars in the US? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know cuz uh cuz last time they came out it was such a short amount of time, you know, it could have been for like roadster owners or something that needed an adapter. Cuz like I think there's a Roadster adapter for this one, but there's not a Roadster adapter for Tesla's typical charger. Or maybe there is. I don't know. But now that they're really doing this thing and looks like they've spent some time designing it, mm. it makes me think that they're going to think about it more. Or maybe they just want to be like the, the everything charging brand. Yeah, to, I mean, the, the page itself, the marketing around it, to me, looks more like your second option because... They're making it clear. This is not for a Tesla vehicle. I mean, you can still use it with a Tesla vehicle with the included J seventeen seventy two two Tesla connector that comes with every car. So you can use it. But like, if I'm a Tesla owner, uh, that I wouldn't gravitate towards that. First of all, it's more expensive than Tesla's own wall connector without the uh, that after one hundred and fifty dollars. So one hundred and fifty dollars that you save on that, and. Uh, and you do, uh, it, it is easier than having to plug the adapter. It's like, to be fair, it's like you had like five seconds. Also the button, it. you know how there's a button on Tesla chargers. Yeah. Does, this doesn't have the button or does it? If it does yeah, have no, a it button. It does have a button. I don't know if it's going to operate the same as that. I think it might be the uh, the latch there though. Yeah, it might just be the latch. So it's this 
could be an option for Tesla owners that do have a Tesla vehicle in another vehicle that is not a Tesla. Like if you have a Bolt EV and a Tesla, that that could be a good option because then right. you can charge both car with, with, with it. You just have to put an adapter on your Tesla when you when you use it for your Tesla. So I don't know. But the way the, the marketing around it looks, it, it looks to be more for like commercial properties. Like Tesla says, like if you're a developer or manager or owner of a commercial real estate interested in purchasing more than 12 J72 wall connectors, visit commercial charging. They, t they talk a lot about, uh, you, you know, you know now you can charge people uh, with the Tesla destination charger network. So you can install some of those chargers on your property, add them to the Tesla destination charger network. And uh, Tesla has a system to charge uh, people for using it so that it can be a source of revenue for people, greatly accelerate uh, deployment of level two charging. So there's a lot of that at play. Uh, and I would assume that a lot of people, when Tesla discuss deploying a decision charging station with them, they're like, oh, yeah, but it's like just for Tesla vehicles. Like, can I? Like, and in the past, Tesla even paid for like Cooper Cleek's uh, charging station level 2J1772 for uh, combined with their own decision chargers and location right. just because of that. So now Tesla can just use their own charging station for that. So that's yeah. that's a that could be just that, honestly. A lot of people says why is it more expensive because it's exactly the same with Tesla's connector versus J1772. Uh, I, I would assume that there's a licensing fee just for using the connector. That might be I think the, the J1782 yeah. has a licensing fee, yeah, you're right, and it, it might be. As big as the difference, like a hundred fifty dollar difference, like that might be just a licensing fee. It's that crazy. That would be really sad, but it would yeah. explain why charging stations are so expensive to begin with. Yeah, they are hard to make cheap. You see some of them out there that are similar to that price, but uh, they're a lot more rugged uh, looking. They're not uh, as fancy, and a lot of them don't have Wi-Fi connectivity like Teslas and all that. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, there was an app update this week that gave us. Two important information that uh, we discussed. The first one is the consumer-facing one. So that's in the release note in the update. Tesla uh, discussed the fact that uh, now they have uh, a lob screen widget that display vehicle battery range. Okay, that's cool. And that's with the new uh, Apple update, I would assume, like that enables a lot of lock screen uh, mm -hmm. uh, widget now. But the biggest one is that a quick control to unlatch Model 3 and Model Y driver's door help and Tesla itself wrote in the release note, helpful, helpful if the door handle is frozen, uh, only works with the vehicle software 2022.36 and higher. So what this does here is, you know, you, you can unlock your doors already with the, with the app, but if you unlock the door with the app, you still, when, once you get to your Model 3 or Model Y, you still have to press on the, on the door handle and open it. Now, if your door handle is frozen, which uh, I've seen uh, happen on my car before, you can see it here. I show up to my car and I try to press it, and it just literally doesn't like uh, put my full body weight on my thumb here to try to uh, to press it, and it wouldn't open because the actual door handle is frozen. What this update enables now is that even though the door is is unlocked, is it's actually unlatches the door, so the door becomes unlatched. You can just pull it and. Uh, if, 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 if it's possible. So yeah, it's, it's nice, but the other problem that comes with that is Tesla use frameless door windows. And you can see in that same video here a little bit later on, I finally able to, uh, to press it, to, to open one here, boom, like that. And you see the door handle is frozen. Uh, I pull it, but the window doesn't come down here. 
So the window is also frozen. So that that's the bigger issue here. So even though if the door unlatch, if the window is frozen, you're gonna have to pull it past the trim, uh, which I mean you can do it. I've done it before, but it's not ideal, obviously, because you can you, you can damage your trim, you can damage the window. Also, closing it back down is a problem because then, depending on how how strong you're willing to pull the door. Uh, sometimes the glass stays beyond the trim, so now you're driving around with like, basically open air coming. It's not, it's not good. Uh, but uh, uh, fortunately, I haven't had that much issues in the winter since the, some of the last update with the preconditioning of the uh, the preheating uh, inside. Even though in that example, I've been preheating for like ten minutes, so it's, oh wow, it's not, it's no joke. But uh, Tesla made some updates that did help with that, so. I have a new problem. Uh, when I open the door, uh, the, the handle doesn't close all the way. So when I close the door, the door just like, you know, it doesn't latch because the outside door handle is stuck open. So do you have to push the handle in? Is that it? Or? It eventually closes, but um, yeah. I think I got a WD-40 the inside of it or something. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, it's not the best design of a door handle. It has some cool door handle designs from the early Model S to to this, but they are not have been the most uh, reliable. Yeah, it's, it's not a good sign when you have to label above it like how to open the door, like they do in the the, yeah. the Tesla taxis. Yeah. Then the other thing that comes, um, but that's on the back end of the mobile app update. So thanks to our friends at Tesla Scope that found it in the back end. So it's not in public. Uh, feature just yet, but it's an indicator that it's going to come up a big feature is a comeback of Tesla's referral program uh, for vehicle because, of course, the vehicle, the, the referral program has never completely gone away. It's just Tesla stopped using it for its vehicle and only use it for solar. Um, if you're not familiar with the referral program, it's a, it was as simple as sharing a link. Uh, and if someone was to uh, order a Tesla vehicle through that link, the person would get an incentive to do so. Uh, normally, it was a thousand miles of free supercharging, and then the person that did refer you would uh, also get incentive, whether also, a, sorry, a thousand miles of free supercharging for their car. Uh, or before that, it was uh, bigger prizes that include like you can win a car. Um, there was uh, you can you can get a thousand dollar discount on a roadster up to two free roadster and that's probably what killed the program right there because Tesla for sure <laughs> Tesla well a new a car people, huh? a new car yeah a, a lot of people uh, don't remember that period well they're like oh Tesla like screwed up like they they didn't like think this true or whatever or or they say like oh the program was abused by some of the more influential like uh, Tesla. Uh, influencer who are you talking about Fred uh I mean Electra got six roadster <laughs> so? oh we abused it you have to remember that time when it was like this Tesla was having issues during that time like it was like the the old demand is not an issue like Tesla says uh, a lot in the last few years like yeah it wasn't an issue but back then it was like Tesla was trying to sell those model s and x and then, of course, the Model Three and Y came came to play. Uh, Model Y, not so much. I think the program was basically dead by the time the Model Y came. Yeah. Model Y is probably what like what's like saved Tesla. Like without the Model Y, Tesla would have been in issues because there was a lot of problem ramping up Model Three production. So during that time, Tesla needed that program to work. Then yes, they they, they definitely <laughs> they definitely kind of screw up with saying, oh, you can even get two. 
And uh, they probably didn't think that so many people would get free Roadster. So from our own calculation, Tesla owes about 80 new Roadsters for free. But that's just one part of the thing. They also hold like significant discounts to a lot of people. And I would assume that a lot of them will want to buy them with a discount because even if you don't want to use, if you don't want to drive the car, you can just resell it and, and make some money. So there's probably like tens and tens of millions of dollars owed in. Uh, yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot for a company the size of Tesla nowadays. No, it's not for the company size of days. And you have to account for the value of uh, the, the referrals. Like the referral right. program did work a lot. Like it, it, it did work. So yeah, the, 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 the people did, uh, people like Ling or herself did uh, some marketing work for Tesla. There's no doubt about it. It's as plain as that. And uh, Tesla now owe money for that and, uh, and in I the think, form of cars. And I think Tesla Twitter is going to be excited to know that uh, Fred and I will now be super Tesla fans again. The <laughs> referral program's open. Yeah, gonna... uh, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Uh, obviously, said is kidding. We're not going to change our opinion on Tesla just because they're we're putting out the referral program again. Uh, and now I say that, and I'm, I'm going to sounds like I, I say that because it's not going to be as exciting of a program again. But it's, it's the truth. It's just not going to be as exciting a program. They're not giving away roadsters anymore. Yeah, they're not going to win roadster or anything like that. It sounds like based on the back end of the code, it looks like the the super, free supercharging miles are coming back, and that that's cool. I do like those. Like that's not thousand free supercharging miles for Tesla. It doesn't cost that much. Um, though we did have some information, and when Tesla shut that shut down the program, that that quarter alone. It was costing them like twenty-three million dollars in free supercharging miles. That's crazy. So it, it's still not cheap, but not a lot in the grand scheme of, key, uh, of things when you're trying to sell cars at a twenty-seven point nine percent gross margin. Right. Like that's it's not that big of a deal. Right. So because that that's not even a few hundred bucks per per, per car. Um, but of course, it's both sides. Yeah, that's what you have to keep in mind too. It's like it's a thousand free supercharging miles on a new car, but like the person that referred a car, I don't know if it's going to be a thousand or whatever, but it looks like the free supercharging miles coming back. And then it also looked like Tesla is going to be credit for accessories in the Tesla store. So that could be interesting. This has some cool things in there that some people would want. But um, what I'm more interested in is like what we heard last year, Tesla was working on was preparing this new referral program and we were hearing that tesla was going to rely more on the app itself so that makes sense now that we're seeing that some back end of the code is referencing a new referral program so we were right about that it sounds like but what i was hearing is like tesla wanted to reduce the reliance on like people just spamming their referral links on social media on the websites and all that and it's going to be more like person to person so um like maybe like you send the app to someone like, oh, you should download the Tesla app and whatever. And then you get a referral from that. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it's going to work. No one's though, but it looks like it's getting closer to being released because it's now in the back end of the Tesla mobile app. And do you think the fact that the referral program is opening back up, that Tesla is now thinking that it's going to be able to meet its supply to meet demand yeah. and it's going to have some extra supply? Is that a sign, early sign of that? So we should we should um, that's a good question, Sarah, because we should mention that um, th there there's been a lot of doubts about Tesla's demand lately, and uh, enough that uh, Elon had to address it at the earnings uh, this week, and he uh, he stuck to his speech that demand is not an issue for Tesla. We don't see demand being an issue in the foreseeable future, and blah blah blah. Okay, um, which I I think is probably right about that and everything, but. I also think that Tesla sees their production capacity increasing at an extremely fast pace, a lot of competition coming in. And 
they know how successful the the, the referral program was in the past, and they just want to replicate it. I think because yeah. that makes makes it just a ton of sense. Yeah, a lot more uh, supply coming, so yeah. they want to get those out the door. All right, Seth, uh, talk to us about this winter towing test that you did with the F one fifty Lightning. You you went to a friend's house and uh, played around with her tiny house, trying to power it and do some yeah, so yard work. It, it's not quite winter yet, uh, but it was about 40 degrees, uh, and that's a, like, what, 6 degrees Celsius. Um, so I have a buddy. Actually, if we have some time, I'll tell a little about what he's doing. He's he's trying to build a little village of tiny homes, and uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but in New York State, uh, weed is legal to, to consume. It's legal to grow, but it's not legal to sell. So he's going to have like a little, uh, like he, he, he's on a farm and he's going to have like a little crop going like, uh, you know, for wheat. Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. Is so, he, he going to let, let, so you can, you buy, right. you, you buy the Airbnb, the Airbnb experience or whatever. And then that includes like access to the weed. So you're not selling weed. You're seeing an Airbnb experience that includes weed. That's exactly That's smart it. as hell. Yeah. Smart, dude. So this is his like uh prototype. And, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty, you know, simple. Like, obviously, there's, you know, plumbing stuff is a little bit more complicated. But what's kind of nice is, um, you know, I was able to just plug into the Ford Pro Power and heat the home uh, from the Ford at, you know, one kilowatt, which isn't too much. And, you know, that that would heat the home for, you know, days. So um, that was pretty cool. So that's a side. Um, but what we did is we loaded up his trailer. You can see the big Tex trailer there. Uh, it's about six feet high, uh, seven feet wide. Um, and we took that, uh, up, up a mountain to where his, uh, his little village is starting. And, um, you know, we, we, there's a lot, like when you put a trailer on to an F-150, there's a lot of like settings to do. You have to, you know, what's the weight of the trailer? What's the um you know the height and the width of the front and and you know you you balance it so there's not too much weight on the back wheels and and not too much weight on the front wheels of the f-150 so we did all that uh we went up the hill about six miles in uh our range went from about 130 miles of range to 68 miles of range like that like and and i had i hadn't uh, done my whole... what's the weight of that trailer because it you, looks huge yeah it's like five thousand pounds yeah okay uh it was like five thousand pounds loaded so um i didn't do my homework at that point um i didn't know that it 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 like reconfigured and i was like holy crap like are we gonna even make it back we just dropped you know 60 60 miles of range um and we, you know, we kept going up and we were going down a lot slower. So at the beginning we were going like, you know, 160, 155, 150. So like we were taking big jumps down in range. And then once we went in half, the range was like kind of more like what we were expecting. So by the time we got up there, I think I only had like 60 miles of range, uh, which is fine um, because it's only, you know, a few miles away and, and we were going uphill. So coming back would be downhill. Um and it, you know, it did fine. Uh, we extrapolated out. Uh, you know, if I had the, the full uh, battery, it would have probably have been about 130 miles of range in on flat ground. So then um, I drove it cross country. Uh, stopped in Ohio, visited my folks, compared it to a uh, Bolt EV size wise, kind of silly, and then um, continued on to Detroit. 
um, where we did another uh, towing test. This time it was Ford um, kind of taking me through everything. Um, and they had their own trailer and it was a lot more measured. So in that, in that case, um, we got to, you know, it was an eight by eight, uh, front trailer. Um, it was 8,000 pounds. So quite a bit heavier. And we towed it, uh, to kind of the airport area. So, uh, Dearborn to the airports about, uh, 15 miles ish. Um, and then we towed it back and we did a little bit of street driving in between and, Overall, we were getting about a mile per kilowatt hour, um, driving at 55 to 60 miles per hour. And when we went up to uh, 65 to 70 miles per hour, we saw a huge drop in the uh, the efficiency, so down to 0.8. Uh, so my, you know, I had lots of observations and takeaways, but the big one was that you can get good range um, towing. You just have to be you know, reasonable about it. You have to do all the measurements that, you know, Ford wants you to do, but the reality is you can't drive 70 miles per hour. That's kind of the big one. Uh, if you drive 55 miles per hour, you're going to get over a kilowatt, sorry, over a mile per kilowatt. The Ford F-150 has, um, 130 kilowatt hour battery. So you're looking at at least 130, uh, miles. And then, you know, this one was the, the decked out, um, one, Mm -hmm. So if you had a, um, less, you know, that there's a model of the F-150 that has 320 miles of range. I think you're over 150 miles if you, if you tow with that one, um, a big load. So that was kind of my takeaway and it wasn't winter, like it was 40 degrees and, and raining in Detroit. So, uh, when it gets down colder, there, there are other things, other mitigations like, um, precondition, which works really good with all EVs and, and. The, the thinking there is like when you're pulling something, the batteries are working a little bit harder. The motor is working a little bit harder. So that kind of heats the cabin and the uh, batteries. So you don't have to spend a lot of extra electricity doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just good experience uh, checking that stuff out. There's been some like s silly YouTubes uh, and TikToks or whatever that, oh, I can't believe the range on this with towing is so bad, you know, that kind of stuff. So. It was good to see firsthand it wasn't that bad. I mean, yeah, you have to expect when you you're towing right. more than the weight of the car at one point, it's gonna it's gonna right. affect the efficiency regardless of your motor right. propulsion. And, and, and like really bad aerodynamics on those things as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Speaking of electric pickup trucks, uh, GMC unveiled the 2024 GMC Sierra EV Denali Edition One. So the First one they're going to produce, it's they're taking this very similar approach as the Hummer EV. So there's the edition one first. It's going to be more expensive, but it's going to be fully decked out with 400 miles of range. Crab walk, just died like the Hummer EV. And it looks slick. So, I mean, might be worth getting the edition one just for the look here. Look at that. It's a nice looking truck. Yep. And you're right. It is it has a lot of Hummer things on it, like the crab walk. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's got 200 kilowatt hour battery as well. Same battery, you know, with, to get the 400 miles of range. Oh, look at that front right there. Yep. It's big. Although the body's easy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, grocery. Yeah. <laughs> like the way you think that that's still the front there. Yeah. Take, yeah. 
take a look uh, real quick at the uh, go back there and there's a if you look at the the buttons there um on the yeah mm -hmm. that yeah. it says oh it's not there but um on a, another screenshot it had that with like a crazy amount of it was like 120 kilowatt hours or something mm -hmm. or kilowatts anyway all right, so uh, the Sierra, like the uh, gas-powered version, you have another configuration, which is nice. So you, you have a lot of box length uh, change, and you can have the standard box at 511, uh, so almost 6 uh, feet. Multi-pro mid-gate engage, it's 9.1. Multi-pro engage with the load stop engage, you have 10.10 .10 feet of box length. So this is significant. Uh, they, they demonstrated that with this. Uh, that's the... What do you call that again? It's the tailgate load stop engage. So this is this thing right there. You can put a full size uh, paddle board. Yeah, and that's similar to the uh, the GM. Or sorry, the uh, Chevy Silverado has similar yeah. features like that. All right, the other spec performance spec. So you. Uh, standard uh, the highest performance mode. Okay, up to 9,500 pounds of towing capacity. That's nice. Yep. Uh, do you have the battery? No, they don't. They're not disclosing the battery capacity, but they say 24 modules. If we know how many modules there was in the Hummer AV, we could tell you if it's the same color, color pack. But I would assume so, right? Yeah, I think so, um, especially with 400 miles of range. That do Hummer we have the to... weight of that thing? I mean, I'm sure if it's not as heavy as the Hummer, it could make a big difference. But uh, uh, max power output of 70, uh, 700, 500, 754 horsepower, uh, 0 to 16 under 4.5 seconds. So not quite Hummer no. acceleration, but still pretty nice for a big truck. 250 kilowatt uh, charging capacity. It is on the 800 volt system. Uh, they also have a dual charging for 19.2 kilowatt on level two. That's also good. The um, bi-directional charging, so the Power Station Pro on board, uh, offers up to 10.2 kilowatts of board power. So that's oh, also... interesting. That's more than the uh, Silverado had, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's on par with uh, Ford's. You know, uh, is that is that really the interior? I think so. Oh, it looks just like the Ford, the, the Lightning, Mackey. Yeah, and you know it's kind of, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, but it has that exact same uh, volume uh, scroll yeah. wheel glued on there. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, like you know, no qualms whatsoever. You're like, yeah, right. We'll just straight up copy it. Yeah, Ford probably should have patented that. If such a yeah. Yeah, but, look, it's exactly the same. Yeah, it looks it good. Works. It works. Interior looks good though. Looks clean. Yep. Well, not 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 too busy. Like all the buttons are, are like these little switches underneath the. I yep. like those. Those are like rugged looking, and uh, makes the rest a lot clearer. Kind of like Tesla inspired, like just one long um, fan slid all across the dashboard. Also yep. cool. Oh, the power board. Okay, that that's with the power board inside too. Like the. Yeah, they have that same, cabin. I forget what they call that, but that doorway that goes out to the back. And, um, you know, obviously you can 
kind of turn it into a convertible a little bit, mm-hmm. leave it open while you're driving. Um, do we have, uh, okay, so they don't, uh, so that's a 2024 Denali edition one. 107,000. So, yeah. Delivery start in early 2024, starting at 107,000. And then there's going to be the 25 model, 2025 model year. That's going to come, I assume at the end of 2024. And then you're going to have the cheaper version that's going to start all the way down to 50,000 units. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we don't have like a clear indication of the rollout. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be similar to the Hummer AV where like it starts 107,000 and it starts technically at 80,000, but like it takes them years to get there because they go from the top version to the like mid, mid uh, range version and so forth. So, uh, between fifty thousand dollars and one hundred seventeen thousand dollars, there's a lot of room for different versions here. Yeah. So we'll we'll see when that fifty thousand dollars MRSP is available, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's not in the twenty twenty five model year. But we'll see. I would be I could be presently surprised because you have to keep in mind a lot. Of, like the the main thing that came out of this, like people see the one hundred seven thousand dollar price target. Of course, it's just for the edition one, so that's confusing. But then you compare it to a, a Sierra pickup truck, gas powered pickup truck, and that starts at $40,000. So a lot of people are like, hey, boy. But this is the first EV version of it. And then a lot of the cheaper versions are going to roll out in the future. Speaking of cheaper EV, Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce. I have so much issue mentioning that. Rolls Royce. Uh, the Spectre. Uh, that's their first electric vehicles. They've been teasing it with. Uh, they had this prototype that they've been showing around for the last few years, and now they have. Room. Those are renders, I would assume. Like they're all renders that they unveiled this week, so it's not a full unveiling. Um, they just unveiled some specs and uh, the the design through through those renders. It looks sharp though. Like if you're a fan, like the Rolls Royce always look kind of the. The same. They, oh, they have a few versions, of course, but this one is built on the Phantom platform. I don't know if they have the, the, the same feature where you, you cannot grab that thing. You, have you seen it, that before? It like ducks down or something? Yeah, it ducks down when you try to grab it. It's pretty badass. Um, but yeah, hyper like a challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this whack a mole type of thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Like grabbing. Um, yeah, it's built on the same uh, platform as the Phantom Coupe that they have already, uh, gas-powered version. So this is like the AV version of that. So some of the specs that were released, 577 uh, horsepower, 664 foot-pound of torque, um, talking about 4.4 seconds, 0 to 60. But of course, Rolls-Royce are not known for acceleration they're more known for the luxury itself uh they haven't released too much information about the batteries but they did say that they are aiming for an epa uh, range of up to 260 miles which is not bad uh nothing on the charging capacity pricing uh they didn't specify it but they said it would be priced between the cooling on suv which started at three hundred fifty thousand dollars and the Phantom, which starts at $460,000. And its deliveries are expected to begin in late 2023. So we're going to have to learn a lot more about it until then. It's not quite there yet. But uh, this is design and some basic info. 
I wonder who's going to go on that test drive. I know some people <laughs> at Rolls Royce. I can reach out. I don't think they're quite there yet. I think we're yeah. still we're still about a year away from any kind of media drives. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to show up in a suit for that one, like yeah. for the video. Like you cannot just sort of in shorts a, for a bottle of champagne and just. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the test drive would be in the back, right? Yes, that's, that's what I was fine. gonna say. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, gotta hire good. a driver for a test drive and just be in the back and the teledriver would go. That would be a fun video, actually. <laughs> we like, this is Fred with Electric for the uh, test drive of the Rolls Royce Spectre. For this test drive, we actually hired Jonathan here, who's going to be a driver. I'm going to be sitting in the back for the whole test drive. <laughs> All right. If, uh, if you guys have any questions for us, put them in right now. Uh, we're not going to have that much time to get to it because we're already way over an hour into the show. But uh, we had a lot of discussion in the comment section right now. So we're going to try to find some of the questions or anything we can discuss and get to it. All right. Uh, Dan Oberst, a uh, longtime listener. Um, he uh, says, if you spurn Elon like Apple and the Saudis, he's going to grow larger than you out of spite. So perhaps that's why Elon used the Saudis and, Elon, and Apple for the com size comparison. Yeah. Yeah, because technically Elon is the richest man in the world, but you know you have some Saudis out there that probably have some money that we don't know about. Of course, <laughs> like that, the, like whatever the valuation is of of Saudi Aramco, like that's that's a guess basically. Like, right. Uh, in terms of size, what ICE vehicles might be comparable to Tesla's future smaller vehicle? Yeah, I think like a golf size car, a bull TV size vehicle. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I definitely like uh, the the idea of a hatchback. Yeah, a smaller hatchback like a bull TV would make a ton of sense to me. All right, Spike forty three says, "Question: Do you think the improvement in energy is showing less ability to put those batteries into cars? I expect a big Q four, but a pullback in Q one for cars." Um, so do you think the improvement in energy is showing less? So like it, the, I know, I think the priority is always putting the batteries in the cars and then the leftovers end up in stationary storage. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. However, there has been instances of Tesla delivering more in Q4 than it does in Q1 and that keep with their quarter to quarter growth. I don't think this is going to be the case because to me, it sounds like Tesla, like they bit the bullet this time and they're like, we're not doing the, the big, end of the quarter we're not as big of a hand of quarter push so uh if they do that in q4 like they did in q3 uh, that would put them in, in good space for q1 to, to be bigger in q1 than q4 all right interesting question here from dan uh has electric heard anything about using mega packs for electric cargo ships seems a perfect form factor for shipping unload spent batteries load full ones add number of needed based on distance um it does seem like a good situation, but um, we I, I certainly haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, I, I don't think the, like, I know what you're saying about, like, if it's container size, you can just, like, lift it like any other container and then, like, put new ones instead of the charging or whatever uh, or to charge them. But uh, I, I don't I don't think that's the right way to look at it, really. I don't think the mega packs are optimized to, to charge a boat. And... Um, the the boats actually they stay a decent amount of time at the docks so when when, when we we're talking about large cargo boats like it, it takes a while to unload them and load them back so 
there's plenty of times to charge them while they're there. You don't need to remove the battery packs or anything like that. And uh, the first, uh, like, it's not exactly the same, obviously, but like, we don't have any large scale electric cargo boats. There are some in the work, though, um, that are that are coming up. But I think they're gonna get inspired from like the ferry industry that uh, they have like extremely high powered chargers at the docks, and uh, I think we're gonna see the same thing for cargo ships. All right, Green Gold says Tesla needs to make a cheaper model, or GM will get all of that market share in the robo taxi is vaporware deluxe. Yeah, but that that comments does make sense if you believe that FSD is vaporware. Indeed, uh, GM does seem to be uh, positioning itself extremely strongly at the lower end of the market. Actually, everywhere in the market, because they are with the Denali edition one, they are also the higher end of the market. Yeah, the well, obviously, I think I think uh, Green Gold here is referring to uh, the Equinox, uh, right? And yeah, yeah, that's Bolt. yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be uh, if if they ramp that up. Quickly, uh, I think the Equinox is going to be a big seller. There's no doubt about it. But there's still plenty of room for Tesla and other people too. All right. Uh, someone from Norway, I believe, says, how many semis in the U.S. market before they start shipping globally? What's your guess on that? Oh, that's It's so hard to guess when Tesla expands beyond North America. That's, that's the question basically here. So... Uh, and and it's more complicated with semi trucks too, because the the differences in terms of regulations are, are, are much wider than they are with the passenger vehicles. So you might have to hold your breath for a while, unfortunately. All right, Green Gold's back saying if EVs are going to make it in the market, then they're going to have to get cheaper, or they will never be marketable for the general public. Uh, no, that's like y yes, technically yes, for sure. Like the the cheaper you go, but. You need to stop thinking about the days of like people buying Hyundai Accent at like a nine thousand dollar news. Like the, the average new car sale price in the U.S. is like forty three thousand dollars for a new car right now, non-electric. The EV adoption is all about new vehicle purchase. It's not about used vehicle purchase. Though we, we the, I'm very glad that the U.S. is adopting the tax credit for the used car EVs like that, that's going to help a lot of people that's going to help a lot of people go electric and the lower end of the market but in terms of EV adoption it's all about the new car market and the new car market cars are expensive and EVs are not that much expensive than, than those cars right now and when you take into account the cost of operation they are cheaper so it's not the good the right way to go at it Ivor, you're also right that if you can make one cheaper, like a $25,000 electric car, then of course you you expand the market. But it's not that critical at the same time. It's just going to accelerate things a little bit. All right. Uh, Sandy Monroe said that Tesla is hamstrung in Fremont with their paint shop using the old Saturn one. It's poor quality. Well, I'm, I would be surprised if they kept the what, Saturn what? paint shop. Yeah, what's Armstrong means? Uh, just like it's stuck, like they can't do anything. Okay, the bottleneck in Fremont is uh, paint. I guess so. Is that, is or, that or, what Sandy Monroe saying? I'm not aware of that at all. I don't, I don't know. If, I know they have two paint shops now. They have a new name. I feel uh, like uh, they could. They don't. They don't just have a Saturn paint shop. They have two paint shops now. They they built a new one since the yeah the, I the feel old days. That. So I feel like they're not using the old one. All right. Nobody says that new Tesla red looks as good as Mazda's deep red. 
which is better than any Ferrari color. Ferrari's. Nobody says that, that, that. That confused me for a second. The guy's name is nobody for people that are just listening. Um, I haven't seen a Mazda that looks that good in a long time. They do have a nice, uh, maybe I haven't seen a new red from Mazda, but they, they do have a nice red for sure. Mazda is kind of popular here in Quebec. I see a lot of Mazdas. But, uh, really? Yeah. I, I see fewer and fewer. But uh, this this new deep cherry, whatever it's called, it's, I've, I've never seen a car look uh, red looks that good. It reminds me a bit of the Roadster prototype. The Roadster prototype had a, an oh, insanely yeah. nice paint too. That's true. Red paint. All right, uh, we're getting toward the end here. Uh, last call for questions. Dan says, "I heard that from TFL Trucks, they estimated the Denali battery size as 212 kilowatt hours." Well, I mean. We know that the the Hummer EV has a two hundred what seven or something kilowatt hour battery. It's probably the same battery. Yeah, like it maybe some changes to it, but I doubt it. All right, uh, Nanda Holes, how likely would Gen three, sorry, third next gen, third gen Tesla be full diecast frame like the early GigaPress patent filing pics showed? The ultimate Hot Wheels for adults. Yeah, Tesla has talked about that before. Like that, like that's the ultimate goal. Like just printing a car, like uh, diecasting a car, like you you do Hot Wheels, and they are getting closer to that. Uh, however, I think it would be a big bet to design that right now. I think if Tesla had the Cybertruck already like in production and they learned from that, I think it, I, they would have the confidence to do, okay, let's, and because uh, this is going to be a giant investment of a platform here because I think he said it's going to, if they do that, they aim to sell more of vehicle on that platform than they do all of the other platform combined, which would make sense. If they can achieve a twenty-five dollars to $30,000 price tag, they would sell a lot of those. But um that's a big a big bet to make for such a giant change. I think the like big rear casting, bigger front casting on Model Y, going to Cybertruck with the old exoskeleton casting, like that would make sense. And then you go to the full body die cast after that for the, the new platform. But it looks Tesla looks like he's gaining confidence on that, so that might be the case. Nanda, Nando, Nanda might be right. All right, well that's. Um, that's it for us for this episode. That was a long one. Uh, often happens with the Tesla earnings. I hope you appreciated it. If you did, and only if you did, of course, please give us a thumbs up, a like, or whatever it is on your platform that you're listening right now because we are everywhere at Electric. We don't uh, discriminate on the platform. And uh, yeah, you can uh, also, if you're listening on your podcast app right now, uh, whether you're on Apple, on Spotify, whatever, if you can give us a five-star reviews on those, those help tremendously. It's free to do. It takes a second, and we appreciate every single one. Like, we appreciate every single one of you listening right now. I hope you have a great weekend. We're going to see you same time, same place.